What name could contain such a glory? In the cool breezes of Eden, brought from the infant earth, one arose, the voice of his creator speaking his identity to life. Adam, man, and as heaven waited short with breath, the creator spoke yet another, Eve, mother of all the living. So it was with Abraham, named in the promise as the father of nations, Peter, the rock upon which the church would stand. The name called to life the destiny within. The name set the stage for all that was to come. And unto us a child was born. And what name could contain his glory? For he was mighty God, as the universe gasped into being, flinging rays of light from his presence to pierce the void, to shatter the shadows to a tapestry of color. And he is mighty God, shattering our darkness, revealing our light, our truth in him. He was everlasting father when orphaned Israel needed a father's touch. When we, with grief-stricken cheeks, need the embrace of one who never leaves. When we have lost our way to dark horizons, it is our everlasting father who lights the way home. He is Prince of Peace. When, like Elijah, we need the still small voice in the turmoil's midst. When, like David, we need the melodies of his presence to soothe our troubled minds. He is sanctuary within our trials, shepherd guiding us to still waters. And yes, he is wonderful counselor. God who gives counsel in the chaos, crafting disorder into calm and failure into beauty. He is a voice for the voiceless. He is dignity for the stateless soul. It is he who raised up a lowly shepherd to become a king. He who took the fishermen of Galilee and made them leaders of history. It is the counselor who redeems our lost years, breaking chains that have kept dreams imprisoned and joy confined. The name reaches across eternity, exclaimed by the splendors of galaxies, sung by the passions of angels, roared in heaven's fervor, exalted in creation's unfettered rejoicing. What name could contain him? What title? What soul renowned? For this is our wonderful counselor. This is our mighty God. This is our everlasting Father, our Prince of Peace. What name could contain Emmanuel, God with us, Yahweh, the Great I Am. What name could contain the Word of Life, the Light of the World, the King of Kings, the Lord of All. We bow to the name that holds every other in its matchless worth. What name could contain such a glory? What name but Jesus? We cry, Jesus. We cry, holy is the name.
Man, I love that video that starts this message series that we've been in all month, The Names of God. You know, Billy Sunday, I don't know if you know who he is. He was one of the old-time evangelists. And he said that through his study of the Bible, he found 256 different names of Jesus. He said the reason why there's so many names described in the Bible about Jesus is he is so indescribable. He's so excellent. He's so magnificent. He's so wonderful. And so we're going to tackle another name today on Christmas Day. Thank you for joining us all over the world. We're so glad that you're a part of this. I want to read two verses to you before we get into this. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 20. This is right as Joseph has been told that his betrothed wife, soon to be wife Mary, is going to have a baby. Here's what the angel says to him, and that's referenced to him in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And here's what I want you to pay attention to. Look at verse 21. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will, listen, save his people from their sins. Now, I want to fast forward to when Jesus is 30 years old, and he's entering into his ministry, and he's getting ready to get baptized by John the Baptist. Listen to John chapter 1, verse 29, and we'll see the name that we want to tackle today. John chapter 1, verse 29. Then the the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, listen, who takes away the sin of the world. A couple weeks ago, actually it was on Halloween, I was having a conversation. I wasn't really having a conversation. I was complaining because people had already started putting out their flipping Christmas decorations. I mean, I saw Christmas trees and windows I saw Christmas lights all in their front yard, and it was Halloween, and I was saying, guys, why are we rushing this? Well, this mom, as she's holding her child, turned to me and said, you know, Pastor Troy, our world is looking to celebrate, and they need some peace and security. I think that's why they're putting their lights out. I got a little convicted. I repented right there of my complaining nature, and uh, I told her, you know what? You're exactly right. And you know, that's the truth. The truth is the world that you and I are living in is looking for peace and security. And that name of Jesus, that reference to who he is, the Lamb of God, is the most significant name to humanity in regards to peace and safety. Now listen, when John the Baptist made that declaration in John chapter 1, verse 29, that behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When he said Lamb, every Jew, listen, every Jew that was paying attention perked up because they knew exactly what the purpose of a Lamb was. Because they they were told for thousands of years, their dad, their granddad, their great-granddad, you just keep going back. Every year, they would describe this event that happened and had been happening for over 1,500 years. Now, you may not know what I'm talking about, but it's actually the first supper, not the last supper, but the first supper, because Jesus is referenced in what's called the Passover. In Exodus chapter 12, uh, God speaks to Moses, 
And it's at the end of the plagues that were hitting Egypt as God was about to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt so they could worship him and basically become his nation. They've been in oppression, in slavery for 400 years. Imagine that, 400 years of slavery. And they had these these plagues or miracles that God was pouring out. And this was the last one. I want you to hear what God told Moses on that day as he's getting ready to pour out the last plague and then the Israelites would walk out. Now, you got to understand, we, we have a little bit of an advantage because we're reading the Bible knowing the end. They had no idea what was going on. They had no idea what it would feel like to be completely free, to be completely delivered, and God was about to release them, and he was going to use a lamb to do it. Look at uh, Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be, I want you to catch this, your beginning of months, and it shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for his household. Okay, let's get the picture here. Nine miracles have happened. We got frogs, we got locusts, we got hail, we got rivers turning into blood, all these amazing miracles that God did, basically drawing Israel out, showing, showing that the Pharaoh, the, the leader of the, the known world at that time, that God was the Lord. And now God is going to basically kill the firstborn of anyone unless they participate in what's called the Passover. All right, so every family was told to get a lamb, a lamb without spot, a lamb without blemish, a perfect lamb, was to take that lamb, bring it into their home, slaughter it, and take the blood of that lamb. Now, I want you to catch this. They were to take the blood of that lamb, and they were to take it down the doorposts and across the top. Did you see that? They take it down the doorposts and across the top so that when the death angel would come through the town, he would pass over their house as long as they had the blood of the lamb over their house. Now, this was pretty amazing to think about because of all the symbolism connected to Jesus. That's what's so amazing about the Bible. From the beginning to the book of Revelation, God is mentioning Jesus, referencing this incredible moment that you and I would experience that we're celebrating right now, Christmas, the birth of this child that would change, literally completely deliver the world. Humanity would never be the same because of this baby that would come into the earth. God would give this child to the earth, this lamb that was to be slain, slaughtered for you and for me. See, the lamb for us and for the Israelites symbolized a new beginning. He said, he said listen, this is going to be the beginning of your calendar. On the first of the month, of the first of the year, you're to take this Passover. So check this out. Every single time the Jews would look at the calendar, they would remember that on this beginning of this year, the Passover, God delivered us. For thousands of years, they would look at this calendar. They would tell their family. They would tell their kids, hey, remember, this is the first of the year, the year that we were delivered, the year that we were set free. 
the year that we get to start over. And that's exactly what God is telling us today with Christmas. I mean, I know it's about presents and, and giving and eating and, and sausage casserole and all these different things that we get to participate in. But first and foremost, it means that you get to start over. You get to have a brand new life. You get to start over. You can look at this moment. Imagine, let's just say, for instance, you made Jesus the Lord of your life today. You could reference Christmas as the moment that you get to start. You get to press the reset button and start over a brand new beginning. You know what else the lamb was? A celebration. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 12 that if your family was too small to have a lamb, you would gather with your neighbor's family and y'all would do it together. In other words, in community, celebrate the miraculous power of God that God was going to come along, the the death angel was going to come along, and he was going to pass over your family. He was going to pass over my family. He was going to pass over our community for the sake and celebrate the Lord God has completely delivered us. The lamb was freedom. Freedom. The Israelites had been enslaved for 400 years. Their backs were broken. Their lives were oppressed. Everything about them, every family member, all they knew was being enslaved by the Egyptians. Now remember, Egypt is always a reference to our old life. In other words, when it says they came out of Egypt, basically it's like you and I coming out of our old life into a brand new life. We get to, we, we're set free from the wages of sin, which is death. We're set free from guilt and shame and the power of sin in our life because of what Jesus did, because the Lamb of God shed His blood for you and me. We are free. You are free. Your family's free. Your future is free. You can break generational curses today by applying the Lamb of God, the blood of Jesus in your life. You could start brand new. You can celebrate And you can understand, you and I both can understand, you can be set free. You know, when I became a Christian, I was an alcoholic, I was a drug addict, and immediately, I mean, it was, I I didn't even pray. It was, it was phenomenal in those 30 days in November of 1990, when I gave my life to the Lord, those 30 days were just day after day after day of freedom. Eventually, I didn't want to drink anymore. I didn't want to do drugs anymore. And my whole life changed because the lamb was about freedom. The lamb is love. It's a foreshadow. The Bible says, actually in 1 Peter, uh, it says that, that without blemish, this blood of the lamb would be applied to you and me. This was a foreshadow to the love of God that would be shed for you and me. John three sixteen. we all know the verse. We'll see it all over sports events today. John 3.16 with the big sign. But the power is in the generosity that God gave for you and me. I like to say it this way. He bankrupt heaven so that we could be rich with his righteousness. So he took what was very precious to him, his son Jesus, his only begotten son, and he gave him to the world. Why? Because he loves us. We have a father who loves us, a father whose love will never end. Here's here's what's so amazing to to me about that is God loved me before I loved him. I mean, he loved me before I loved him. Now, I love him now, man. I love him. I mean, my my family's blessed because of the love of God. My, my, My church is blessed. My friends are blessed. 
I get to share that love as a pastor now. Amazing. But even before all that, even before the times where, where I, I, I basically cursed him with the way I lived my life and, and disobeyed him, even when I kind of knew about him, he still loved me. He, he loved me and he continues to love me. You know what else? He doesn't love me based on how I serve him and what I do for him. No, he loves me in spite of me, basically. He, he loves me regardless of my religious acts that feel good to me, but they'll never change his love. And then here's the last thing that I want to tell you today about the lamb, the lamb that was slain, this Passover lamb, this lamb that we celebrate, the lamb of God. Did you know the book of Revelation, the lamb, Jesus is referenced 26 different times that he's the lamb of God? I mean, come on, I think that's very important. But this last point, I think, is probably the pinnacle of why God sent this lamb, is that the lamb is for forgiveness, Forgiveness. Everything about the Passover is, passing, is, is pointing to this reality that Jesus, because of his death, burial, and resurrection, you and I are forgiven of our sins. We have a relationship with God because we're forgiven. We're cleansed of all of our unrighteousness, all of our mistakes, all of the things that we did in our life that were wrong, God washes them clean and continues to wash them. Doesn't mean we, we need to stop repenting. I know sometimes people say, you only need to repent once. No, no, no. I keep repenting all the time. I repent to God and I repent to my wife often. And so there's a continual repentance that needs to happen. But God forgives you. You're released from the prison of your mistakes. It's a pretty awesome thing. You know, when John said in John chapter 1, verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I want you to think about this. Think about the story of Christmas for a second. Think about the connection of his birth and his death. By the way, let me just say this really quickly. When, when John made that statement, Behold the Lamb of God, it was really hard for the Jews and uh, difficult for them to even think about Jesus being born the way he did because, you know, he's called the lamb and the lion. They really wanted him to come like a lion, but he had to come like a very weak and vulnerable lamb. The Bible tells us in Matthew 2 and Luke chapter 2 that he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. If you look at the New King James Version, it has a little number beside that manger it actually says feed trough. And back then, they didn't make feed troughs out of wood. They made them out of stone. Now think about this for a second. Think about the connection just for one second. They wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Mary took him and wrapped him in cloth. Doesn't that sound familiar? Because 33 years later, when they took him down off the cross, the Bible says that they wrapped him in a cloth. The Bible says in Luke chapter 2 that they laid him on a stone manger, a stone trough. Isn't that interesting? 33 years later, he would be laid in a tomb on a stone made of stone. In a tomb of stone made of stone. It's pretty amazing to think about how in his birth and in his death, we see the Lamb of God. Let me close with this thought. Do you need forgiveness today? Do, do you need to be forgiven? Or maybe, maybe 
you need to extend some forgiveness to some people. I want to pray for you today. And maybe you're watching uh, for the first time. Maybe you tuned in today and you've, you've never made a decision to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It starts with receiving the lamb, basically taking the blood of Jesus and applying it to your life, applying it to your own life. That's where it starts. It's really difficult to give forgiveness if you've never received it. And God wants to do that in your life right now. All you got to do is pray. All you got to do is use your faith to apply that blood, the blood of the Lamb of God to your life. And the Bible declares over your life and your family that He will wash you of all your sins and all of your mistakes. Can I pray for you right now? Matter of fact, why don't you pray this prayer with me, declaring this over your own life. If you need forgiveness, or maybe you need to extend forgiveness today, let me pray with you. Just close your eyes right where you are, and let's pray this prayer together. Say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the blood of the Lamb who washes away the sins of the world, but also in my own life. Today, I give you my life. Today, I apply the blood of the Lamb to my, to my entire life. Forgive me of all my sins. Forgive me of all my mistakes. Thank you, Jesus, for coming, for dying, so that I could have a brand new relationship with my Father who has always loved me which begins right now in Jesus' name. Hey, thank you guys. I hope you and yours have a wonderful Christmas and a happy new year.